plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are locked on Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And today is Matchups Thursday, as we will explore the matchups that will decide who wins Sunday's game between the Green Bay Packers and Atlanta Falcons. But before we get rolling, I would like to thank you once again for making the Locked On Podcast Network the fastest growing podcast network in the world. You can subscribe to this podcast and get it every Monday through Friday via iTunes and Android app. And please check out the rest of the great Locked On Network, which includes Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy, and Locked On Falcons. And the NBA has started as well. We have a full stable of uh, NBA sites, including Locked On NBA and Locked On Bucks, which I'll have to be listening to later because my club lost its season opener last night. Also, one last thing. Thank you for checking out PackerReport.com and subscribing to, to my website. If you sign up for one year, you get Sports Illustrated for a year. I'm talking the magazine. I'm talking the online coverage. It is the single best sporting publication in the world, and you get that with a Packer Report annual membership. And with that, let's get rolling. We'll get into the matchups here in a moment. But first, it's first down and some odds and ends from Wednesday. First, the injury report. Clay Matthews, the big name on that, did not participate with a hamstring injury. Uh, We don't know the severity of that. We do know that he missed the Week 3 game against Detroit, as Mike McCarthy would call them, against Detroit with um, ankle and hamstring injuries. Also on the DNP list, no surprises here, uh, tight end Jared Cook, cornerback Quinton Rollins, running back James Starks, Randall Cobb showed up on the injury report, now with the back and neck stuff, though, from that hard hit at the end of the Giants game, rather limited with a hamstring. And running back Don Jackson was full. Today's the big day for Jackson, though. Um, they will go pads and contact today. And, and if Jackson can get through that practice with without any issues with that injured hand and any ball security problems, he might have a chance to contribute on Sunday against the Falcons. And also, on the injury front, running back Eddie Lacy departed Green Bay for surgery to repair his ankle yesterday. Also, note from yesterday, wide receiver Devontae Adams, the NFC Player of the Week. 13 catches for 132 yards in Thursday night's victory over the Bears. That reception total tied Don Hudson for the second most in franchise history. And Adams became only the second wide receiver in the last 15 years, only second Packers receiver in 15 years to get the Player of the Week honor, the other being Greg Jennings. And Speaking of Greg Jennings, quarterback Aaron Rodgers has asked about Devonte Adams on Wednesday, and he, and he mentioned Jennings. His first impressions of Adams as a rookie were, and this is Rodgers talking now, he was like a Greg Jennings or Randall Cobb when they first got to the team, where you could tell right away they had a maturity about them and a confidence on the field and the ability to run in every route possible out there and a swagger to know that the ball should come my way. I said that after the game when a guy's telling you, hey, I like this route or that route, that's where you want him to be at. You want your line telling you what type of protection they're, they're liking. 
You want your receivers telling you what kind of routes that they think can work in your tight ends, and you want your backs to tell you what runs they want. I think that's when your team is really clicking more and more connected is when they feel confident putting their spin on things. And one last uh, note from the Rodgers session before we get into the matchups. Rodgers was asked about the Jeff Perlman Gunslinger book on the uh, Brett Favre biography, obviously. As you probably know and probably listened to, I had Jeff on the podcast earlier this week. Really good information from, from Jeff Perlman on the book. The one excerpt that was released before the book went public on Tuesday was the Aaron Rodgers introductory line to Brett Favre calling him Grandpa. Well, uh, Rodgers didn't quite remember it that way. He was asked about it at the very end of his press conference yesterday, and Rodgers says, The small excerpt that I read is highly sensationalized. I'll just, I'll just say this. The first time I met Brett was on the practice field, and I could barely get a sentence out of, Hello, my name is Aaron. Did I call him Grandpa at any time during the three years together? Probably. But it's in the same joking way that my man Brett Hundley called me Grandpa three weeks ago on the field when we were doing a competitive drill. The story that was out there that I saw is completely 100% false, and I would dare anybody to test my memory on that. And you guys know how my memory works. The end. So a strong statement from Rogers, and we do know how his memory works. It's a really great story by Kevin Seifer from ESPN.com to substantiate that memory a few weeks ago. If you haven't read it, go check. Go type in Aaron Rodgers, Kevin Seifert, memory on Google, and I'm sure it'll pop up where Kevin quizzed uh, Rodgers on several plays throughout his career, including going back to high school. And Rodgers had, like, photographic memory on some of this stuff, including, you know, you know the, the, the blitz that the defense is running and everything else. It was pretty remarkable. So I will say one thing on the, on the Hunley anecdote. I think by that point, the, um, the excerpt might have been out. So it's possible Hunley had seen that writers called Favre Grandpa and decided to teasingly turn the tables on that. But you know what? I said this on a, on a radio interview the other day, and it kind of goes in line with what Jeff Perlman said in the podcast. Who cares? I mean, it's his book, but I, I wouldn't read anything into, into, those, into that conversation in, the, in, their, in their relationship into the kind of guys they are. Did, did Aaron Rodgers say something stupid to Brett Favre once upon a time? Maybe. He was also 21. I mean, what? when we were 21, I, mean, I did stupid things. I mean, said stupid things where you think it's funny, but the, the timing is inappropriate or just comes out wrong. And, and if Rodgers had any hard feelings about the way Favre treated him as far as not wanting to be the mentor, well, you know, tough. You know, if, if my company scout hired some young whippersnapper to... Um, work alongside me and you know and I knew deep down that he's gonna be my successor and look Brett Favre at that point in his career probably knows that Aaron Rodgers is, gonna, is there to be his successor I'm not helping you know where I make my money and where I've made my mark in this profession one is my preview stuff where I go really super in-depth on stuff that people don't know about and two is my draft coverage well I've got a lot of sources and I busted my butt to get those sources I'm sorry I'm not sharing my sources with some kid who's here to take my job. And it's the same with Favre, and it's probably the same with with your job. You know, if you're a bit insecure and you're thinking that this young guy's here to take my job, I mean, you're not going to, you might be friendly to him, but it doesn't mean you're going to help him and, and teach him everything. So if that stuff's still an issue for anybody, move on. The Packers are still three-point underdogs for Sunday's game against Atlanta. The over-under in that game, 53. If I was a betting man, and I'm not, 
I might go to BetDSI.com and take the over on that. BetDSI has been in business for more than 20 years. They're a top-rated business and safe, and they've got you know great feedback from their customers. BetDSI has a great special. Sign up today and get $10 free to try their service. BetDSI is also offering a 100% bonus on your first deposit. They've got great customer service and fast and easy payment of your winnings. They've got hundreds of football and basketball wagers to choose from. You can also bet on the UFC and even Trump versus Clinton for this year's election, which, God, I can't wait for this thing to be over with. BetDSI even has live in-game wagering on all football, basketball, and other major sporting events. You can play virtually anything at BetDSI. So go to BetDSI.com now. That's BetDSI.com. Go there now and use my promo code PACKERS10 and get your free wager and start winning today. All right, on to the matchups and on to second down, and that's when the Packers have the ball. Look, Green Bay is going to pass the ball in this game. I mean, they, they threw the ball 8 billion times against the Bears for, for one reason, and that's because they didn't like the running back situation. And I, I don't like it a whole lot better this week. You know, Don Jackson may or, not, may, or may not play. You know, Nile Navis certainly has a better grasp on the playbook now than he did at this point last week. I was a, he, he arrived on a Tuesday last week and got a bit of a crash course. He stayed, in, stayed behind in Green Bay during the mini-buy and worked alongside Ben Sermons to get up to date on the on the, on the playbook and in, in, in this week's game plan. And Aaron Rodgers has an open invitation for, for Davis to call him. But still, you can't feel super great about that running attack right now. And Atlanta's defense stinks, but they're ninth in rushing yards per game and ninth in rushing yards allowed per carry. That's a pretty good part of their defense. Meanwhile, Green Bay's passing game has shown signs of life, you know, especially during that second half of that Bears game where Rodgers and the Packers really found like they found really seem like they found something with that quick hitting passing game. Well, Atlanta's pass defense ranks 31st with 294.3 passing yards allowed per game. Now I get that some of this is like the 2011 Packers were. I mean, you remember that team? They were last in the NFL in pass defense, but they're also numbered. They also finished number two in NFL history in scoring. So teams are either playing catch up football or they're just trying to keep pace, and that leads to a lot of passing. So some of that is fattened up. I don't buy some of that. But even Atlanta's coach, Dan Quinn, lamented the state of his pass defense during our conference call with him yesterday, and especially the big plays against Quinn from yesterday. We're still a work in progress. We're not there yet, that's for sure. I really see their arrow going up. Our missed tackles are going down. We've allowed more explosive plays than I would like. That's one of the things that keep me up at night. How do we get better at that? Here are the main characters on Atlanta's defense. One is pass rusher Vic Beasley, the eighth pick of last year's draft, and cornerbacks Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford, and safety Keanu Neal. Beasley is tied for the NFC lead with six and a half sacks. Really had a monster game. Uh, the Falcons beat Carolina and Denver back-to-back. That win was at Denver. And that game, Beasley, three and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. Quinn is using him like he used Bruce Irvin during uh, Quinn's time as defensive coordinator at the Seahawks. That means in their base defense, Beasley is an outside linebacker. They're base 4-3. And then in pass rushing situations, Beasley goes to defensive end and, and, and lines up as a pass rusher there. Heck of a player, a great first step, got some... Not, not, a, not a power guy, not, not a moves guy. At this point, he is flat-out speed and on artificial turf. That works as an advantage. It'll be interesting to see if he lines up um, 
over David Bakhtiari, Green Bay standout left tackle, or over right tackle Brian Blaga Blaga among the league leaders, and not in a good way with four sacks allowed. At corner, it's a couple of 2013 draft picks. Actually, they're, they're top draft picks in 2013. That would be Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford. I was at the Senior Bowl that year. I loved Desmond Trufant. He, I mean, he was the one lockdown guy at that All-Star game where he's, he, I mean, he's, he's got size, he's got speed, he'll press, he's confident. He is an all-around player. And you know, Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback who, who goes to matchups. I mean, there's a reason why he avoided Jordy Nelson against, against the Bears. I mean, it was Nelson against uh, Tracy Porter, and probably a good matchup for Nelson, but he really liked Devonta Adams and went to it again and again and again. If I was a betting man, I would think Rodgers avoids Trufant and goes at Robert Alford. Alford has two interceptions this year, but he is a penalty machine. I looked that up this morning. He's got eight penalties, including five for pass interference in the last six games alone. I would think he's the one to attack. I'm going to go back to Trufant. I forgot a Jordy Nelson quote from yesterday. He's got great feet, quick, smart player. I've gone against him a couple of times. You can see his development and experience kicking in. He's one of their better players and a guy they lean on. Um, safety Keanu Neal, he's their first-round pick this year. Exactly as advertised coming out of Florida. Athletic and a guy who will hit, and he is looking to hit. He plays a lot in the box. I'll be interested to see, though, what he'll do against the Packers, especially if Green Bay is not going to run. There's probably not a whole lot of reason to play Neal too close, unless it's going to be Neal against Ty Montgomery as a matchup when uh, Montgomery's at running backs. So I'll be interested to see that. Neal's, played, Neal's been targeted a lot in coverage according to Pro Football Focus, but held up pretty well. Uh, PFF has him for uh, giving up 21 completions and 40 attempts. That's you know barely 50%. As for that hitting thing, I mean, it's something that you can't have in your head. The Packers receivers say, here's what Devontae Adams said about that. Guys like that, you want to make sure you know where they are on the field at all times. I still have to run my route regardless. If the ball comes to me, make the play, get up, or excuse me, make the play, get hit, and get up and let them know it's a first down. I'm knowing about that Atlanta defense and why and why Quinn is, thinks the arrow is pointing up. It's the sheer experience factor or the, the lack of experience factor. The Falcons have four rookies starting. That'd be Neal. Um, nickel corner Brian Poole and linebackers Deion Jones and Devondre Campbell. Like Neil Jones, their second-round pick, and Campbell, their fourth-round pick. Tremendous athletes for that position. You might, you might remember um, Deion Jones as a guy that I think a lot of Packers fans and myself thought, you know what? The Packers need a coverage inside linebacker, and this kid's got it. I mean, he was a a matchup guy at LSU. I mean, I mean, he runs like a safety. I mean, he's basically you know an oversized safety. I mean, he's you know 5'11", 230 pounds. He's not not a big guy or a six foot, I should say. So not a big guy, but runs like to win. Two interceptions this year, including a ninety yard pick six. That shows like the, the kid's running ability. As you'd expect, though, with those linebackers, you know, susceptible to misdirection and, and can be fooled at times. A guy they have to go after, along with along with the uh, corner Alfred, is, is Poole. He went undrafted, undersized, 5'9 and a half, which, you know, probably not a big deal when you're going against Randall Cobb, but, you know, he's 
I think if you're undrafted and you've got Randall Cobb making what 48 million over four years, I think you've got to go at Cobb and and try to get it after that matchup. And that takes us to third down and the other side of the ball, and that's when the Falcons have the ball against the Packers defense. And this, I mean, this is the same story, right? Green Bay is not going to run the ball. I mean, why would you? You you feel like you got advantages on the perimeter. And you've got some questions at running back, and you're going to come to a good run defense. Well, it's not quite the same story, but pretty close. The Falcons are down their number two running back, uh, running back Tevin Coleman. But, you know, they've got Devontae Freeman, a tremendous run- runner as their, their starter. So they're, they're in pretty good shape in the backfield. But Green Bay is back to number one in the NFL in run defense, and I'm talking yards per game and yards per carry. And if you're the Falcons, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to attack the number one ranked run defense? Or are you going to attack a secondary that might not have Sam Shields? Well, they won't have Sam Shields and Demarius Randall, And I'm assuming it's not going to have Quentin Rollins, which means you're down your top three corners. Well, let's ponder that for a moment, shall we? Yes, I think the Falcons are going to throw the ball. And they've got the matchups there. Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan, I would say, having by far his best start to his career. Always a talented guy. Always put up great numbers. But something's always gotten in the way of him being being an elite player. Well, this year he's... He's taking that step. Look at let me look. God, look at their numbers. He's number one in passing yards, number two in pass rating, number two in yards per attempt, and, five, and tied for number two in passing touchdowns. I mean, otherwise the guys, <laughs> otherwise he's been terrible. And you're going, you were talking Ryan and, and receivers Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu against Green Bay's backup cornerbacks, Ladarius Gunter. Dimitri Goodson and uh, Jack of all trades, Micah Hyde. And, and those three fared well against Chicago last week. But look, it's the Bears. And it was the Bears with number two quarterback Brian Hoyer lasting uh, you know, 20 minutes, then getting hurt. And then it was number three quarterback Matt Barclay. This obviously is a whole other challenge. As Mike McCarthy said about his young corners, getting, they're going to be put into a, a huge. A huge spotlight here on Sunday. They're getting better. All the guys that have been getting, that have been given the opportunity. Just look at the way Gunn has played. Goodson coming right back from suspension and playing immediately. It's kind of the way our season's gone so far. It's important for us to continue to grow and make sure that we get these guys ready and put in position to be successful. Well, I don't know how you be, can be successful against Julio Jones. He is he is a modern day Calvin Johnson. He's the best receiver in, in this league bar none, through six games, through seven games, excuse me, 40 receptions, 830 yards. He's on pace for back-to-back seasons of 1,900 yards. Jones leads the NFL among players at 20 catches with a 20.8-yard average. Against Carolina a few weeks ago, 12 catches, 300 yards, only the fourth player in NFL history to get 300 receiving yards in a game, and he is the full package. He's about 6'3". I mean, he ran less than 4-4 his scouting combine. And it's not just the size and speed. You know, obviously, as we've seen with Jeff Janis, for example, it takes more than size and speed to be a good player, and he's got it all. Runs great routes, got great hands, and he's a competitor. You know, both uh, Quinn and Matt Ryan lauded him for, you know, being unselfish, being a good blocker in the run game, and all those things. He's, he's a, we've seen really good secondaries get torched by him this year and in, in the past, and you know, let's be honest, it's, you know, it's hard to see the Packers stopping him or much less slowing him down. Here's uh, Dimitri Goodson. He's just a great athlete, man. I've never seen anybody like him, period. 
He's big, he's fast, he runs great routes, he's strong. Just a total package. But he's not the whole package for the Falcons. I mean, they, they signed Mohamed Sanu away from the Bengals during the offseason. He's got 20, 23 receptions. The aforementioned running back Devontae Freeman, 22 catches to go along with 508 rushing yards. Tight end Jacob Tammy also with 20 catches. So they have a, they have a lot of weapons, which is why, as Mike McCarthy pointed out, they're number one in the league in scoring. I think that tells you the story. So what can Green Bay do here? Besides wave the white flag of surrender, which they're obviously not going to do. Key number one, and this one's doable, and that's getting some pressure on Matt Ryan. He's been sacked 18 times in seven games. You know, Ryan's a great pocket passer. You know, he's pretty good against pressure, but when he has to move, that's when he's not good. And the Packers have to get him on the move. And then you want know the line's not great. Center Alex Mack sent a big free agent contact, contract to leave Cleveland. Pretty clearly their top player. You know, but the guards are, are veteran guys who are eh, so-so players. You know, not, not bad, not great. Office tackles, probably, probably slightly above average. Um, the one subplot here will be Matthews versus Matthews, presumably assuming Clay plays. That's left tackle Jake Matthews against linebacker Clay Matthews. Jake Matthews was the Falcons' first-round pick in 2014, I think number six overall if I recall. He's been pretty good. Last year, he took a big step forward, three and a half sacks and three holding penalties. This year, two sacks, two holding penalties. That'll be a, a big matchup. I mean, if you're the Packers, you've got to get you've got to get Jake Ryan or Jake Ryan, <laughs> Matt Ryan off the spot and get him on the move and, and try to make him I mean he'll throw you a few. I mean he's got four interceptions this year. I mean he'll throw you some passes. If you give him the opportunity to throw you some bad passes and, and having Matthews win some of those matchups and get Ryan a bit flustered is going to be key for Green Bay's chances to pull up any kind of an upset here. And that second key, taking away the deep ball, and this kind of related to key number one, on passes of 21 yards or longer according to stats, Ryan 16 of 28 for 641 yards and five touchdowns. The Falcons have completed a league-high 33 passes of at least 20 yards, and they have a league-high nine touchdowns of 20-plus yards. This is a big play offense, going back to that, that nine touchdowns. Nobody else has more than five. So this is a big play juggernaut, and if you're Green Bay, I mean, it's got to be, you have to be in bend-but-don't-break mode. Easier said than done with that group of corners, obviously. But you need safety. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix has been surprisingly quiet. I, mean, I predicted that Clinton Dix and Jared Cook would both be pro bowlers this year, and at this rate, I'm going to be dead wrong on that. Clinton Dixon needs to have a big game, and they need to they need to thwart that deep passing game and, and make Ryan, you know, complete eight passes to get a touchdown. Now he's perfectly capable of doing that, obviously, because he is one of the best quarterbacks in this league. But you know, taking away the, the, that long ball passing game is going to be the key for Green Bay on Sunday. And finally, fourth down, some special teams notes and some other odds and ends here. Atlanta really good in the kicking game. Matt Bryant, their kicker, 41 years old. He's 15 of 16 in field goals. Has only missed from 58 yards last week. So he's been pretty much automatic. And in the dome, he is automatic. Punter Matt Bosher, one of the league's best as well. How's this? His net average is 43.8 yards per punt. Jacob Shum of the Packers, his gross average is 41.1. So Bosher, a big edge there. And here's another uh, another punt slash punt return note. 
Falcons returner Eric Weems has been doing it for forever. He had a 73-yard run back this year. Green for uh, Atlanta's punt coverage unit has allowed 54 return yards total. So chances are Green Bay is not going to get anything done in the punt unit or punt return game, and they're going to have to have a good day against Weems to keep him in check. Other side with uh, you know Green Bay started this year with with Ty Montgomery as their primary kickoff return guy. Obviously with him being their running back now, basically he's out of that role. So that'll be. Now Davis and Jeff Janis, the kickoff returners, they haven't done much, either one of them this year, both around 20 yards of return. Atlanta, meanwhile, averaging just 19.7 yards per uh, return given up, and they're number three in opponent average starting point on kickoff, so Atlanta's really solid there too. Um, just a couple other quick odds and ends. The Packers lead this series 17-13, to including 2-1 and in the playoffs, and they've won four in a row. 2013 was with Matt Flynn at quarterback. 2014, the 43-37 shootout win at Lambeau. Eddie Lacy and Jordy Nelson, two touchdowns in that game. Rodgers threw for three and had a 123.3 passer rating. And Julio Jones against a good veterans Packers, good veteran Packers secondary. Merely 11 receptions for 259 yards. So Jones has had some big games, or has had a big game against these guys. And it should be a, a shootout on Sunday based on everything that we know about you know the lack of a running game and the state of the pass defenses. I mean, I'm, I'm, if I had a bet, I would guess, you know, 40 pass attempts, 800 total passing yards. This is going to be, if you like passing the football, Sunday is going to be must-see TV. And one other note, and put this one with a uh, proverbial yellow highlighter and asterisk note to keep this in the back of your mind. Atlanta's defense has forced nine fumbles. They've only recovered two, but they've forced nine. On the other hand, Green Bay has fumbled 13 times and lost six. So that is a defense that takes the ball, that will get that ball out. And this is a Packers offense, which has yacked it up way too many times, including Rodgers with his six fumbles and three lost. So this is an, an, another key where Green Bay is going to be hard-pressed to win this game and every possession is going to be at a premium and you, and you feel like you've got to score every single time. You can't fumble the ball. You can't turn it over. And ball security is going to be paramount on Sunday. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. I'm hoping to have our Behind Enemy Lines podcast tomorrow, but my colleague down in Atlanta is having some personal stuff going on, so we'll, we'll see if we pull that off. Either way, I'll talk to you tomorrow and have a wonderful day. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.